Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I'm joined by Ryan from Mother Mother. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about this new song. You guys have a lot of popularity. You guys have been around for a long time. You have quite the fan base. You have quite a list of accomplishments. But for some of us here in the States, we're just starting to get to know who you are. Yeah, and we've we've been coming down to America for 15 years, and we we have like a secret handshake with a small select group of people, but that recently has extended to a, a greater public consciousness, and that is thanks to TikTok and this weird new modern world. For all of that, we're very grateful because we really like America, and it feels great to have more of a foothold now. Hailoft 2 is the sequel to a song that you released over 10 years ago. Can you give us some background on that original song? Yeah, Hailoft 1, songs just kind of write themselves, you know, and you don't think much of them. It's like, oh, that's a cool riff. That's a fun story. We definitely felt like it had a lot of energy and a lot of fire. And when we play that song live, it was without fail the biggest reaction from the crowd every time for years and years. So we always knew that Hailoft was a special song. And we were grateful for her that, but we never thought that it would connect in this massive way. But since it has, it's sort of given us an opportunity to look more deeply into the lore and the story and the characters. And it really begged for continuation. It, it seemed like it was unfinished as we took a closer look. So thus we endeavored to make a sequel, which is something we'd never done and it was a very fun songwriting challenge. And it felt good just to sort of tie a bow on that narrative. So first of all, you guys released a short documentary. It's only five minutes. I think everyone should check it out. And it's about the two songs and the process of their creation. I think more bands should do that. Was that your guys' idea? Yeah. Yeah. We felt like the, the project deserved some explanation and some context because it is, I think, an ambitious or bold move to, to make a sequel to your hit. It was so much deeper than just trying to capitalize or to milk the wave. It really did birth itself from the fans' power of observation. And that was important to us to, to articulate that and to express that. Well, in the documentary, it kind of sounds like it was the fans that got you to explore where if you should continue this story on. Was there already a little bit of inspiration to do a part two before it blew up on TikTok? Or was it solely a reaction to the crowd? Yeah, it never crossed our minds before the song had a new lease on life. I think every gesture you make is a byproduct of the energy you're receiving from your fans. It's such a symbiotic relationship um, and one that we hold in high esteem. We really feel like the fan dynamic is the direction. It's the clear direction that we must take. And neglecting that would be, I don't know, it just would be nonsensical. How did you guys find out that you were going viral on TikTok? Um, well, all of our other platforms started to like show signs of growth, like Spotify and YouTube. And it didn't make a ton of sense because we were in an off cycle. And um, 
our management sourced it to TikTok and we didn't really know too much about TikTok at that time. We were urged to go on TikTok and start an account and check it out. And so I did that and I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I was kind of a, a sore thumb at a cool person's party or something like that. And, um, but, you know, I think you acclimate to these things very quickly. They're designed to suck you in. And yeah, we, we found this whole new community of people listening to early Mother Mother songs. And it was wild. It, it almost felt like looking in on a Twilight Zone alternate reality of your own life. And to see these people resonating so much with the song that came out more than 10 years ago. But now those people that are connecting to it are the age you were when you wrote it. Or younger, mo- yeah. younger even. Like, yeah, because I was in my early 20s when that music was being written. And these are predominantly teenagers. You got your finger on the pulse, what the young people want. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I think as soon as you try to ascertain what the young people want, you miss it. You, you miss it horribly. And it's, it's much better to accident upon these types of things. One of my favorite things that you say in the video is to be yourself, even if you're getting a message from the outside, that being yourself isn't the most viable path forward, because guess what? They're wrong. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to be better at you uh, at what you're doing, but no one is going to be able to do it like you exactly. So I think it's definitely authenticity, originality is, is the thing to pursue always. So even though you didn't get, you know, you did get validation at first when you're playing Hayloft One and the crowd is really responding to it at live shows, but you got some pushback from radio and from your label. What did it feel like to get this additional delayed validation so much later? I mean, it it definitely was gratifying, not going to lie, but it also just kind of restored faith in the, the audience's thirst for things that are different, things that are, you know, that take risks. It's always a hard pill to swallow when the industry is telling you that common music listeners need it to be dumbed down. And it's like, no, I don't know. I, I have more faith in people than that. I mean, I'm a music listener and I like when things twist and turn and surprise me. I, I don't buy that. And so this was really a clear statement that people are more dynamic and more more complex than I think what the industry likes to tell artists. The doc ends with you saying that you won't know the success of Hayloft 2 until you hear back from fans. How would you describe that response so far? It's been great. It's been really positive. And there's this whole kind of like villain arc narrative that has been attached to it. Like people say, you know, there's all this new terminology there they feel like they're in their villain era when they listen to this song. And to me, that just suggests that it's empowering people to feel kind of like, you know, they got some swag, they got some confidence. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to see. And again, you know, the, the interpretations vary. It's like, what, what does this revenge equate to exactly? Um, Is she letting go? Is she continuing a cycle of trauma and violence? Like, all these really thoughtful synopses are, are in the comments on YouTube. And, and that's what I love the most. Like, yeah, I certainly do not claim to know what it's about. I'd, I'd way rather leave that in, in the hands and the minds of the people who listen to it. Hail Off 2 can be found on your new album, Inside Deluxe, which is out now. 
was there a new energy while writing this album and working on the deluxe version? Yeah, kind of like a new energy trying to tap into the old energy. We, we've definitely been inspired and ushered back down a portal to the early days in light of all of this new energy. And it's reminded us that those chances we used to take and sort of the organic production value of some of that early stuff really has a charm. We wanted to honor that by making some songs that emulated that while also existing in a new era. So yeah, new and old energy kind of swirling together. How did you pick the seven new songs that went on the deluxe version? You know, you just kind of write them and they just, they want to be shared. Yeah, usually the best songs, it's not that subjective. It's like you share some songs with a group of people and more often than not, most of them will pick the ones that are the best. You know, people love to say art is so subjective. It is to an extent, you know. (laughs) So I always find it quite easy to pick the songs. The best songs are the best songs. And what's it like to work with your sister? It's great. It's great now more than ever. We've certainly had our trials and tribulations um, over the years. And part of that's being siblings and part of that's just being young and, you know, kind of dumb and figuring out yourself in the world. But, you know, we're old enough now that most of that has been sorted out. And we're just in a place where we can really indulge in our kinship our partnership, our friendship. It's, it's great these days. When you're writing songs, does it feel like you might have more of a back and forth with her than other people in the band? Yeah, I think she, she's sort of more of a confidant, not just in music, but just in every aspect of my life. And yeah, there's an intimacy there. There's a safety there in sharing things and getting some true, honest feedback that is special. Yeah. Yeah, sisters don't hold back. No, no. They could hold back a little more sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys are playing the rave in Milwaukee October 8th with Sir Sly and Transviolet. There are VIP tickets available as well, which include pre-show, acoustic performance, VIP merch, and even more cool stuff. Yeah. Is connecting with your fans and doing the VIP stuff something that really like picks up to her is that something that makes your day a little brighter big time yeah yeah and we've sort of changed the format on this last tour where we open the floor for questions and so we play acoustic songs but it's really it's really grown into a rich conversation um, over the course of an hour and we feel like we're getting to know the personalities the hearts and the souls of the fan base more than just you know shaking their hand, taking a quick picture and playing a song. It feels deeper than that. And um, it's beautiful. Yeah, we're very lucky to spend time with these people. And it's a really great community. Very creative, very thoughtful, very progressive, sensitive. We, I think we're better people from having made friends with our fans on a more intimate basis beyond just um, them consuming our music and us producing it. Do you ever see people at these VIP events and go, hey, I know you, I recognize you, you come to all of these? Definitely, absolutely. And then some of them have been in like our fan sourced music videos we've made. And like there was a little kid, we made a video for I Got Love. It was just like hundreds of fans rocking out. And this kid was probably like six or seven. And he had some sunglasses on. 
and he was all in slow motion, just like raging. And it was really cute. And we put him in the video and I kind of mimicked it. It was a special little moment. And we were playing somewhere in the States recently. And, and there he was. It, it almost felt like we spotted a celebrity. It's like, hey, you're the guy in that, in our video. Oh my God, I'm starstruck. It was like a reversal. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. For those who haven't experienced your live set, what can they expect when they go to one of your shows? It's sort of like motivational, like in terms of the crowd address. There's a lot of, there's a lot of big hand movements and like, we're all in this together and music is beautiful and we love you and thanks for being here. And then the music itself is very intricately interwoven. There's lots of musical segues. It's quite dramatic. There's a big light show. We have lots of energy. We're kind of flying around and we play all the songs from all the albums. So it's more of a, like a, a mother, mother mixtape than it is a promotion of like the most recent album. That's good to know. You know, a lot of times it is when you go out on tour after releasing an album, it's, you know, a couple of the hits, but primarily new stuff. So it's nice to, to know that there will be some new stuff, but also be stuff that you're more familiar with. Yeah, you got it. It's like, those are the songs that got you there in the first place. And those are the songs people want to hear. And sort of like we were talking about, the fans kind of dictate. So what's next for Mother Mother? Um, we got so much touring this year. And, you know, I'll continue to write music and see what the muse has to say. We sort of live in a time now where you don't need to wait for these rigid album cycles to complete themselves before releasing new music. You kind of like pepper, you know, the year with, with new songs, should they arrive and, and should they excite. So I'm certainly keen to stay creative through this touring cycle and, and see what that brings. We're excited to see you here in Wisconsin in October. And thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for your questions. Had a great time. Thank you. We're going to check out Hayloft 2 by Mother Mother right now on The Resistance. <laughs>